Now, more and more, there is this vision that I believe 100% that God is cultivating in us at this church. It's recently started to become more and more clear of what that vision is. And God has, I believe, and Pastor believes, and we've been talking in, in the elders' meetings and, and, and to, to people that there's basically this new season that we're walking into. And it's been very evident of this in our prayer, times of prayer on Wednesday nights that this, this, us as an ecclesia, as a body of followers of Jesus Christ, are walking into something new. And um, we're not entirely sure of what all that means, but we do know that we need to fully be committed to what God has for us. That's it. The world in, in the, ch the, the, the church in the world and the church specifically in our country, it seems like it's going one way and kind of a lot of different ways sometimes. There's, there's churches that have decided um, that they've, they're taking on practices of basically um, companies and business. And it's like they're running their churches like a business rather than an, a, a body. And they're taking keys from marketing and different things like that and branding their churches to basically go that way. And they're being led by basically what a business school would teach them to be led by. And that's not how the body works. My body doesn't work like that. My body works like a, this, this created thing that has been created and knit together and, and brought together to work miraculously. And that's how the church is supposed to work, like a body that comes together and works and grows and develops naturally. Um, it talks about in First John that those who are born of this family are born of God by the will of God, not by the will of man, but the will of God. So as we walk forward, we want, it, we want that. God is calling us to just basically say, you know what, whatever, he, he, wants, he wants to be able to come in and do what he wants to do. And that's fully what the cry of our hearts are. Um, mine as the associate pastor and then as my mom, Pastor Chris, that is the cry of her heart, that God would do what he wants to do. And no man's agenda or no woman's agenda would get in the way. Um, that's, that's what we want overall. And we talked about last week about how we need to make room for us, room for each other to basically grow and make room for each other to, as we go through this process, we may have some sort of growing pains, but, but God is making a stronger body Amen. fully, 100%. And I believe that, that, that God is calling specific people in this country and in specific churches to, he's kind of saying, hey guys, it's not, it's not the way you think it is. It's not about being, it's not about having all these um, different numbers and multi-sites and, and different things like that. It's about, it's about being a body, this healthy, life-giving entity that edifies itself and reaches out and edifies the, the place around it. It's not about conquering, it's about what, what, what creation is about, and that's cultivating something more, cultivating something beautiful. It's not about exploitation and just Amen. 
uh, this empire that's growing, but it's about something that's, that's subduing and something that comes naturally. And, and that's, what our, that's what our holy book is about, creation and creating something new. And that's what our God is about, make, taking something that he has created. He, he came in during creation and, and um, um, basically when he came to create, what was here was basically um, the wild and the waste. And, he, and there was a bunch of disorder that God came in and he created and put order and started to create. And that's what he did. He took what was there, and this is what he does throughout history. He takes what is there, and he kind of reorganizes and, and brings you back to a place in communion with him and his creation so you can naturally flow with him in all that he does in creation. Amen? So we started this break last week from John to look at Ephesians 4, and I don't know, like I said, if it'll continue into Ephesians 5. We'll, we'll find out. I believe that we can really, though, um, let God to continue to use this chapter specifically to um, speak to us in this kind of in-between time. And it's a very interesting time when, when you know that you're on the cusp of something more and, and you're kind of on that tail end. It kind of feels, um, Brother Hagen would say, like you're standing in the shower with your socks on. It just kind of feels like something something's about to come or, or it's like being on a roller coaster and you're about you're just chugging up the hill and you're about to plunge down down the biggest drop and that's that's kind of where you kind of we kind of feel like we are but this book of ephesians is an amazing book we talked about it last week in six chapters it, it packs such profound theological understanding and practical application to what the gospel is. Um, we have the first three chapters making these grand, amazing theological claims of what the gospel is and how it has brought us together as a people. Every tribe, tongue, and nation coming together as one body. While the last three chapters paint this picture of, of the actions that, uh, uh, that align when someone believes the gospel. So basically what you have is the gospel, and when you truly believe what that gospel is, it results in a, a corresponding action, a response, basically. People can say that they believe something or think that they believe something, but unless their actions reflect what they say they believe, they really don't believe what they say they believe fully. And that's, that's, that's basically it. There's no real conviction. There's no real change. And this brings some understanding to what James was saying in James 2. In verse 14, he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can, can his faith save him? And then he says in verse 17, at the end of verse 17, if faith doesn't have works, it is dead. This isn't necessarily saying that you need to have works to, uh, or it's not necessarily saying you have to have works to gain faith or anything like that, but it's specifically saying if you really have faith, the God kind of faith that God has given you, there's, there's these works, there's these things 
that you're, you automatically just start living now and living out of a place where your life is completely changed and reoriented and you walk in good works. Real faith, the faith that Paul is talking about in Ephesians, the faith that you are saved through, by grace, that faith produces good works in the person it is in. And this is what Paul is trying to say. This is what he's saying in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. He says, you are saved by gra- or you're saved by grace through faith. It's not a work of yourself, but it's a gift of God. So no man will boast. But he, he right away says in Ephesians 2, 10, for you are created in Christ Jesus. You are, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that you are predestined to walk in. So what does this mean? When someone is saved, when someone enters into the family of God, when someone accepts this life, they are changed. And God has things set up for you to be able to walk in and have a purpose. He doesn't, the the funny, the, the, the kind of nuanced thing about it is he doesn't need you to walk in those good works. But he has provided those good works for you to walk in to have the most fulfilling life. He has given you a new life to walk in. And if you willingly say, okay, I'm going to walk in that new life, you will be as fulfilled as you will ever. Like that's, That is you working exactly how you were created to be made. You're working... You're, 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 you're acting and you're working exactly how you were created when you acknowledge that, okay, now my life has a purpose. Now my life, there, there are things that God wants me to walk in. And if I step out in faith and walk in those things and, and, and step out and know that God is prepared for me each day to walk in His life, then your life will be the most fulfilling it's ever been. And if you don't walk in those works, it won't be fulfilling. And those works that you're supposed to be walking in, God will find someone else to walk in them. I guarantee it. God doesn't need us. He will find who He wants, or He will find anybody who is willing to do what He needs to do in the earth. But He he has called us. He has called us, and if we will willingly say, God, yes, here I am, you can use me, He will use us. That's all He's looking for is people that are willing. And if you're not willing, He will find someone else. He will skip you over and find someone else. But there's always redemption, and it's never too late. You can always say, God, you know what? Because I, I know time, I know this needs to be something that's, that's, that, that God brings to our remembrance. That He has specific things for us to walk in. Because there's days that I don't think about it. I guarantee you, there are days where I get caught going through the motions. And this is really what the book of Ephesians is about. It's really what this letter is about. Because this letter, we like to, it's categorized in different chapters and different sermons and different things like that. But this letter was, was written from, from Paul to the Ephesians to be read in one sitting, one through six, from beginning to end. 
It's not till later that we actually put verses and chapters in. So this is something that Paul is saying. He is saying, this is faith. That you believe in Jesus Christ and what the gospel has done for you, and then you continue to step out and do things and continue the kingdom of God. And then he says in chapter 5, that would, be, that would have been read in the, same, in the same sitting, it would have been read, Wake up, O sleeper, for, the light, for your light has come that you're here, that you should wake up and realize what's going on. Wake up. Wake up to this revelation. Wake up to this understanding of what God did and what he has called you to. Wake up. You're not supposed to be walking the way you're walking anymore. I'm getting crackly, kind of. Amen. Um, so, um, are, are we aware of what God has for us? This is what he wants us to be. Are we, are we just going through the motions, or are we aware that God has something for us? When you begin to become aware and abiding in God and abiding in the fact that you are in his kingdom and he has something for you, when you begin to become aware, you, you'll just see his grace in your life to walk in things. Whatever so-called faith James was talking about, Coming, and he, he was basically coming against it, that doesn't produce good works, and that basically is not faith. So saying you believe something and thinking you believe something is a lot different than actually God giving you faith that produces fruit and good works in your life. Plain and simple, faith produces. If there's no production in your life, if there's no change in your life, you need to start changing your mind about what you believe the gospel is. Be belief in the gospel changes people into who they are meant to be. I want us to look at um, basically our text and really look at um, what, what, what Paul is saying to these Gentiles. And I believe that there is a greater conviction of the gospel coming to this church here. And I don't mean what some have changed the word conviction into, not like this, this, this um, sinful, shameful feeling, but a conviction that is really just a strong belief, something you strongly believe in, a deep-rooted conviction. And that, that, that deep-rooted conviction produces, the, it, it is faith, basically. So Paul starts in this in in our in our um text he says um right off the bat and this is my paraphrase hey you people that i am writing to you should no longer walk or act like gentiles and that kind of is like what what i am this was written to the church in ephesus this was written to Gentiles. It says, Paul directly calls them in Ephesians 3, the Gentiles. He says in chapter 3, verse 1, Paul directly calls them the Gentiles. I am writing to you, Gentiles, from prison. And this is the mystery. This is how amazing the gospel is and how intricate. The end of chapter 2 is this beautiful explanation of how God made it possible for all peoples, all 
every tribe, tongue, and nation, all peoples, all people groups to come together and be in one family. Before this, one, one, one family was called, one tribe was called, one nation was called, and that was Israel, that God called out and made a covenant with, and he said, through you, I'm going to bless you, and through you, I'm going to bless everyone. And now through the gospel and Jesus Christ coming, and not just dying, being Israel's Messiah, but dying for the, for this, as the substitute for the sins of the whole entire world, he has brought everyone close into a family and is building all different pe- types of people, all different shapes and sizes, colors and, and, and races and different things. Everybody, multi-culture, a multi-culture thing coming together. <laughs> so all tribes, all races, all coming together, being built together in the same house under one God. This is amazing and we need to be thankful for this. We here, sitting in this room, need to be thankful for this. Because we as Westerners, as Americans, were considered foreigners. We weren't allowed in the family of God. We were part of these people. It talks about in Acts 2, where God told his disciples, descendants of Israel, Jewish men, go and preach the gospel to the four corners of the earth. We are the four corners of the earth. It has come all the way from Jerusalem, has come all the way from the Middle East to America, about as far away as possible, to us, here, 2,000 years later. This isn't, a, this, our Christianity and our tradition, our being Jesus followers, is not an American idea. It's not. And we like to think somehow that Christianity originated from America. A form of Christianity originated from America, and it is false. It has come all the way. The gospel has come all the way and said it's about accepting that we are all coming together as a family under one unified truth, and that is Jesus Christ has paid the price, and I'm going to follow him. All who enter into this family are what? They are refathered from above. They are reborn. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. They have gone from a state of death and separation to a state of a whole entirely different state of existing called the land of the living. They have gone from death to life. And that's what this gospel is. It's you, you're Everything about you from the inside out is changed completely, 100%. There was a moment where you put, you, there, there was a moment where grace came. And through faith, you believed in Jesus Christ and what he did. You believed in the gospel and it changed you in a split second forever. This is what happens they have gone, we have gone from death to life. There is, there is, in a sense, some resemblance to what was there before. But, but, but now we are new creatures, refathered from above. And what are the implications of this? What's more true? That I, biologically, a man and woman, came together and I was birthed biologically. 
What's more true, that or the fact that now I am refathered from above and born of God? What's more true? What do we really believe? Do we really believe what the Bible and what the gospel says? Jesus, when, when, he, when, when people came and they said, your mother and your, fa- or your father or your mother and your brothers are waiting for you. And he said, who are my mother and my brothers? These who are around me are my mother and brothers. Meaning my whole life is now reorientated. Yeah, in, in, in a sense, yeah, naturally, I'm, I was born here. I had a mother and a father and I grew up mostly in Kansas and I'm an American. But what is more true What God wants us to understand, when you come in contact with God and all that He is, and all of His infinite being, when you come in contact with that, it changes you 100% completely and you are a, what, a brand new creature. What happens to you after you're in this family? Hey, you people, don't act like everyone else. Stop acting like a mere human being born of flesh and blood, but act like you are reborn by God. Act like you're born again. Paul points out something of how the Gentiles walk. They walk around in the futility of their thoughts, meaning they they walk around and and every thought that comes through their head is futile because this mind was supposed to be in communion and communication with God. And until it is in communication with God, it is futile. And he makes the wisdom of the wise foolishness and he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. They have hard hearts. They walk in the promiscuity of the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more and more. And that's just the tradition of this world. That's the world. that The advertisement after advertisement comes on the, the, the TV screen or you go by on the billboard and it's advertising the new hot thing that you need. The world tells you you need a raise every single year and you need a higher salary for what? Nothing. There, it, it, and it, it lends itself to, to, to be this vicious cycle. You just want more in the world. And then, and then you realize how, how you, you, you go and continue into the futility of your thoughts and your thoughts begin to come and become more erratic and, and less about less about yourself and more about just desiring more in your heart gets harder. And this is this cycle of the world. And Paul is trying to get across to the Ephesians. Don't do that. That's not how you live life anymore. And if, if someone says they believe in Jesus as their Lord and they continue in these characteristics... There is something wrong. There is no real conviction in what they say they believe. It's not this deep, strong belief that is rooted and grounded. Paul was just talking about in the previous chapter in Ephesians 3. He prayed a prayer for these people. That these people would be strengthened in their inner man through the Spirit. And that the conviction that, that, and that, that conviction, that faith, 
that strong belief would live inside of them. And it would dwell in their hearts. That Jesus would dwell in their hearts. He prayed that they would be rooted and firmly established in love. That they would be able to comprehend with every be able to comprehend with everyone the length, the depth, the height. Oh wait, the, the length, the width, the height, the depth of God's love. And God, we, we learn from or we know from 1 John 5 that God is love. So God is love, right? Last week we, we last week we talked about the name of God, that God said to Moses when he was in the burning bush, I am Yahweh. I am who I am, and I will always be who I am, infinitely, forever. So, 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 God is, and God is infinitely whatever God is all the time. So God is love, infinitely, all the time, love. What is Paul praying for the Ephesians? That they would be rooted and established in love, so that they with all the saints may comprehend the dimensions of God's love. But wait, God's love is God, and God is infinite. Yeah, this is what Paul is praying, that they comprehend, that they see. This is what I pray that we see. What is the length of God's love? It's infinite. What's the width of God's love? It's infinite. The height, infinite. The depth, infinite. When you come into contact with something like that, you can't help but react. It causes a reaction. So if you're still acting like a Gentile, if you're still acting like a mere human being, you are invited to sink your roots into that love of God that goes on forever. That's faith. That's conviction. Something that's so deep that it goes on forever. And it's, it's, it's inside each one of us. Paul goes on to say, that's not how you learned about the Messiah. And then, he's, then he says, I assume you learned about him like this. You heard about him and were taught by him because the truth is in Jesus. Paul is saying, I thought you encountered the same Jesus I encountered, the one who completely turned my life around. If, if, if no one knows, the person who authored this book, his name is Paul. Previously, he was known as Saul. He was walking around in the futility of his thoughts, and, and he was wanting to get more. He's wanting to persecute. He, he, he got a hold of his officials. He says, I'm going to Damascus. And I want to round up more Christians, and we're going to persecute them, because they believe in Jesus. This guy was a part of the, he was a part of the workings of the enemy. But this guy, Saul, on the road, came in contact with Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the resurrected Lord, and got knocked off of his animal and got completely changed from the inside out, 100%. So what Paul is trying to say is, say, hey, you Ephesians, I assumed that you came in contact with the same Jesus Christ that I came in contact with. 
Because when you come in contact with Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord, the visible image of the infinite God, it changes you. It changes you completely, 100%. Hey, guess what? You're changed. Stop walking like the rest of everyone else. Like, stop walking like everyone else. You have a brand new nature. You have the nature of God inside of you. You have His grace and His mercy. And if you don't see a change on the outside, if you don't see actions that are lining up with the conviction of God on the inside of you, there's something wrong. And this is what He wants us to see today. He wants us to see that there's a better way to live, that He has life for us, that He has things that He has for us to walk in that, that are more that are more than the things of this world. And he wants to replace things with his grace, and he wants to replace things with his kingdom. He wants to bring us to a place where, where no matter what, the conviction in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord is greater than any other conviction. That it is strong, and it's rooted, and it's grounded, that no matter what, when you lay your head down on your pillow at night, it is the most real thing to you. Realer than anything else. More real than anything else. When trials and tribulations come, it doesn't matter. Because you're walking on clouds. You're walking with this conviction in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. When people start talking about you and spreading rumors about you, you don't care. When people start fighting you, you don't care because there's a conviction deep inside of you and it's that Jesus Christ is in you and you are rooted and grounded in God's infinite, everlasting love. This is what happens when you enter into the family of God. Life is now meant to be continuing in this forever. Growing in the love of God, by God's grace, continuing to contribute to the body, which is the church, the ecclesia, whose head is Christ. Paul continues, guess what? Now we don't lie, we speak the truth. When we get angry, we do not sin. And Paul implies that the longer you are angry, the, angry, the easier it is to miss it and give room for the devil to have an influence on your life. It's basically what it means. You can have anger, and anger can rise up, but what you need to do with that is bring it to God and be able to let go of it. Because then when you let go of it, you not hold on to it, because we want to hold on to it. And sometimes things happen to us, and anger is a natural response. But the, the more you let it boil and fester underneath you, the more you have an opportunity to miss it completely and give room for the devil to kind of be in some way a god in your life. He says, now the thief doesn't steal but earns money in an honest way and is generous. No foul language should be used. Really, this isn't talking necessarily about profanity, but it's, it's talking about things that are said that are harmful to one another, things that, that don't edify, things that, that, that break down, things like gossiping. It's, 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 not, it's not limited to just cursing. 
It is more than that. The truth is more than that. It's more nuanced. He then says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, Spirit, which this is a curious statement for me. And I, it, it deserves some extra attention. I looked at some commentaries. I looked at the Greek and I came to this understanding. When we enter into the family of God, we are reborn 100%. We are now a new creature in Christ Jesus. The Spirit of God comes and resides on the inside of us and is part of that new creation. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, the third person of the Godhead. Now the Holy Spirit and my spirit on the inside of me are one, 100%. So when I'm talking about my spirit, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And when I'm talking about the Holy Spirit inside of me, I'm talking about my spirit. And when I'm ta- you know what I mean? So, so it's infused together. You are sealed. It's like this, this, this interaction, this dialogue, this thing that's, that's, that, that's communicating inside of you. We have, um, there, there's almost, and there's this dialogue inside of you. And we've all been in situations that for some reason or another, you get a kind of uneasy feeling. Maybe we really shouldn't be where we are. Maybe we're doing something. Paul says, Paul just said we shouldn't be doing. Maybe we are um, angry or gossiping. And if you have a relationship with the Spirit inside of you and find yourself in these moments, you can kind of get this uneasy feeling because you're participating in something, the new creature that you are, is not supposed to be participating in. And your spirit that one that is whole with the that the one that is infused with the Holy Spirit is kind of like yikes, red flag. Paul is saying here. Paul basically is let's boil this down because he's going to kind of continue on in the same path. Paul is basically giving us a list and an understanding, but 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 he can't list all of the things that you could situations you could be in that are wrong. That would take that would be infinite, that would be an infinite letter, if that makes sense. It would be too long to read. So he's listing off some things and guidelines and say, hey, you should maybe watch out for these key things. But most of all, you have the Spirit of God inside of you. Let a a relationship develop there and be led by that. He doesn't have time to basically say all of the things. He only, he basically, so he's like, you know what? All of these things, don't lie, don't, don't, uh, don't be angry, uh, or be angry and sin not. Don't be angry for too long. If the th- thief shouldn't steal anymore, he should be honest. But most of all, have this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Have this relationship with the one on the inside of you, and be led by that. And when you get in situations... That, that it might not be your fault at all, but when you get in a situation and you get a flag and it's like, uh, go the other way. Because you have that relationship and you have that conviction on the inside of you to lead you and guide you. And that's basically what Paul is saying. He continues to say, don't have any more rage, no slander, no bitterness, but be led. Be led. That, that, that's basically, have a relationship, no God, know Jesus, have a relationship, understand what he did for you. He, he loves us so much, and he wants to be in communion with us at all times, and always forgive. 
there's always going to be an opportunity to forgive. Always, 100%. There's always going to be someone who has done something wrong to you. Just forgive them. No strings attached, because God has done what? He has forgiven you. God has forgiven you. So you just forgive. No penalty, no penalty is greater the, 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 no one's penalty is greater than the other person's. That, that's what we learned about the gospel. That's what James told to his Jewish brothers. He said, guys, even if you miss it a little bit, you've missed the whole thing. And that's what the gospel is. All have fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how bad it looks someone else has fallen. If you just fell just a little bit, you guys are both guilty of the same exact crime. Missing it. And if you miss it just a little bit, you've missed it all. So no, nobody's crime is greater than yours, and nobody's crime is lesser than yours. Everybody's crime is equal, and that's that we've all missed it. So that gets, sets us free, and it makes us be able to just forgive and forget, because God has forgiven us, and he has given us grace, and we are now convicted. We have this strong belief in the love of God that, that, that covers a multitude of sins, that is, that is vast, that is miraculous, that is amazing. And now we're, we're not against anybody. And if someone chooses to be against us, we just love them. This is the message. This is the gospel that Jesus Christ came to preach. This is the type of body we want to be a healthy body growing in love towards each other and those around us. Again, we, we, want to seek the, we don't want to seek the glory of ourselves and try to make a name for ourselves. We just want to be a part of the church. We want, to be, we want our church, we want our body to be a part of the body. And I believe God is, is making us more aware of how we fit into that picture. And God wants to be right here working in this place, in this body of people, this ecclesia. He wants to be here in this church calling the shots, basically, and showing off. God wants to come here and show off how good he is and how much he loves us and how much he loves the world. Are we on board for that? Are we on board for God to come and have his way in this place? Are we, are we on board for him to be able to come and love us the way he wants to love us and to show off his glory and his grace and his love for us and those around us? That is what we're, that's what we're about here at this church in this body to see God work in his ecclesia. And all this, let's go ahead and pray.